Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Music Biz Weekly Podcast. I'm one of your two co-hosts, Michael Branville. And as always, I'm joined by Jay Gilbert. How you doing, Jay? Great. Thanks, Mike. Um, so we got a cool discussion on a very unknown, confusing area of the music business <laughs> coming up here. Um, yep. But before we get into it real quick, thank you to HypeBot and Bands in Town for all of your support. And of course, to our sponsors, Banzoogle.com, built by musicians for musicians. Banzoogle is an all-in-one platform that makes it easy to build a beautiful website and EPK for your music. Banzoogle powers the websites for tens of thousands of musicians around the world, from weekend warriors to Grammy winners. All the features you need for a professional website are already built in hosting and a custom domain name, dozens of fully customizable design templates, tools to sell your music and merch commission-free, commission-free crowdfunding and fan subscriptions, mailing list tools, social media integrations, and of course, amazing live tech support from their musician-friendly team. So we got a little offer we can extend to everybody here. Head over to bandzoogle.com. Sign up, try it for free for 30 days, and use the promo code MUSICBIZWEEKLY, all one word, and you will get 15% off the first year of any subscription. And, of course, thank you to DiscMakers.com. We know it's a digital world. Uh, where'd, my, where'd my notes go here? We know it's a digital world, but there's still an important role for physical media for today's independent musician. Digital royalty payments can be so small that selling products like CD, vinyl, T-shirts online and at gigs has become an important income generator. For every CD you sell at a gig, you need might need roughly 3,000 streams to make the same amount of money, and that's a lot of streams. Sure is. Disc makers are the place to go for your discs and other physical media, including vinyl, USB drives, and even T-shirts. So head over to discmakers.com. Place an order for 100 or more CDs, and when you check out, use the promo code FREEBIZ, all one word, and you will save up to $150 in shipping. So who's joining us today, Jay? Jody Friedman is joining us today, and we're going to talk about sync and uh, placement and music supervisors. Interesting discussion. Yep, all the info you're going to need check it out. Build a stunning band website in minutes with Banzoogle. Go to Banzoogle.com to start your free 30-day trial and use the promo code MUSICBIZWEEKLY to get 15% off the first year of any subscription. Today we have Jody Friedman, a music supervisor, producer, trailer composer, singer-songwriter, music pub publisher. What don't you do, Jody? Welcome how, to the show, how many man. More, how many more hats do you have? <laughs> no, I don't, I don't play the flute. I don't play the flute. <laughs> All right. Well, there's nothing to talk about then, I guess. All right. Thank you for joining. <laughs> Thanks for Good having me. Good morning. Good morning. So, Jody, you know, you you work in a variety of different areas. And one we kind of wanted to focus in on today is, you know, how does a developing artist, a new artist, how do they land, you know, sync? Meaning, you know, how do they get their music into film, TV, commercial, games, uh, it's it's such a big mystery for especially for developing artists that don't have a big team surrounding them or major label support. What what do you say to new developing artists when they ask you uh, about sync? Well, the first thing I say is to work on your craft to really hone the product because 
there's so many people doing sync now, even more than it was 10 years ago. Um, it's a very crowded area. So when someone's coming in new and they're just kind of, you know, of course you want to, uh, everybody wants to get a placement. Everyone wants that, uh, the excitement that goes along with that and the income that comes with that. Sure. But sometimes they sacrifice the quality and you really, you really get, you know, that one impression, that first impression, whether it's to sending it directly to a music supervisor or to a music library to represent you or to a licensing rep, a label, a publisher, whatever it may be. Um, if you especially when you're starting out, uh, if you spend the time and the energy on your craft and your product and really, you know, honing that, honing that skill. And I don't just mean the songwriting. I mean the production, make it, make the production skills top notch. And it's a beautiful thing today is you can, you know, you can take online courses or watch YouTube videos and you can learn how to do it all. You can literally, it's, it's right there on the internet. You can learn how to produce your own product and get some pretty amazing sounding stuff from, from the get go. Yeah. Is it, um, is it a meritocracy? I mean, is it all just based on the quality of the track or is it also, you know, uh, what the supervisors are looking for at a given time? I mean, what makes, what makes a song syncable? Well, that's a loaded question. Um, <laughs> it depends on the media that it's going for. Um, yeah, music supervisors look, they always need music for their projects. They look for different things based on that scene or that ad they're working on or that trailer they're working on. Um, but the chance of them reaching, I mean, some music supervisors, and I've done it, we scour the internet. We scour on SoundCloud and Spotify and look for uh, artists and talent that's right for that scene. And we may be looking for a certain genre so with that in mind, I would definitely mention tagging your material when you upload it. Uh, if you upload it to SoundCloud, make sure you have, you know, electro pop or whatever the genre is in, in your tags so that supervisors can find you because just like, you know, A&R, we do search for, um, for music, for projects that way. But most of the time when we're in a crunch, which is, is most of the time and there's a quick turnaround we go to the people we know we go to the managers and the agents and the you know the libraries and the publishers and friends and you know we reach out to them because they're a lot of times they're able to filter a lot of content for us and get us uh instead of saying yeah i have this one song that might work they'll say i have these 10 songs and they'll do the work and we'll describe the scene to them and say you know we need this by 5 p.m and they'll hone in that pitch and, and send us their ideas. So, um, you know, there's, that's part of it too, is finding the right partner to represent you, I think is, is important too. Now for, for a, a developing artist, you know, a lot of them, they're only thinking of, I'm in the studio, I'm recording my single, my EP, my album, whatever it is. And then they're like, here, take my album. Can you place this? Is that honestly the best way for them to do it? You mean, can you place this by sending it to a rep or? Well, or I guess what I mean is just by recording an album with lyrics and everything to it, is, is, is that the best way to approach 
music placement? Or is it better to approach it going, you know what, I, I don't need to, this commercially available album right. isn't the best solution for music placement. Maybe it's, maybe it's just the instrumental track. Maybe it's, I see. you know, because I, 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 I think the, the, the developing artists don't, they don't understand a lot of those little things. I mean, they're, you know, I, I keep telling them all the time. I'm like, you know, the fact that you don't, you don't need to have a hundred thousand followers on Facebook to get music placed. All that matters is truly the music. That's right. The product, the, the live show doesn't matter. The followers in some cases it might help in certain instances, but it's not what matters is the music and that it fits the mood. It fits the scene. And yes, I think if you think of your, your product, when you do record an album in the studio, when an artist goes in and does a, let's say a 10 song album, each song can be fanned out into, you know, eight different products. You've got your full mix, you've got your instrumental mix, your acapella version. You could have an unplugged version of just you and the, the guitar. Um, you could have a 30 second mix, which could work for ads. You could have a 60 second mix, which could work for ads. You could have a sting, which is just like the last measure. So if you think of this album, you know, you've done a 10 song album, well, 10 times eight, you've got, you know, 80, 80 products there out of that one album that you can repackage and repurpose for, for licensing. Yeah. So when you have music, um, whether it's your own, whether it's one of your clients, um, how how does that process work? Do people come to you and, and pitch you music? And then if you feel like it's uh, of, a, of a quality that you can then bring it to music supervisors, how does that work? Yeah, when people send me music, um, I try to listen. I don't get to listen as much as I'd like anymore. But um, most of the stuff that I'm doing these days are from deals that I've had in place for years or they're a referral from a client. Um, if I hear something that I think is really stellar and I want to sign it, then I'll, I'll, uh, I'll make an offer and I'll, I'll lay out my terms. And uh, if they're interested in working together, then it goes into our system and we do the ingestion and we start pitching it. And, you know, sometimes rarely it happens quickly. They get a placement. It's happened a few times, but usually it takes a while for something to to land because I've got to make people aware of it and they get excited about it. And then over time they keep, you know, I send it to the supervisor and they audition it. It's got to go through the supervisor to the editor, to the director, to the producer. Everybody has to like it and think it works. So it's, it's like a, a funnel system. Gotcha. But you know, the starting stage is the rep believing in the music and pitching it. And then the supervisor has to believe in it and pitch it and so on and so forth. So that's, that's why it's so hard to get sync because it has to make its way through so many people. But um, that's the way to do it. It's, it's, you know, at the 5% rule, we pitch, if we pitched 100 pitches a year, uh, you know, 5% is probably going to stick, 5 to 6%. Yeah, I mean, you can't get five people to agree on where to go to lunch, let alone what the, what the right song should be in a, in a, in a piece like that. But I think that's kind of like the big mystery you know, it, it seems like, especially with new developing artists, that one artist will get a really great placement. Yeah. And then everybody's like, well, how did that happen? I mean, this other artist is, maybe they think their music's better or it's whatever. It sounds like it's just so, 
you know, uh, nebulous. Like you just, you pitch the highest quality music you can, and then you just cross your fingers and hope for the best. Yeah. If you work on your art and it's just stellar quality, eventually it's going to sink. You know, it's just, it's, it comes down to the quality. If it's amazing music, then it's going to find a home. Are, are there certain genres or moods that you're more successful with or, or certain ones that you try to avoid? Yeah. Um, there's certain ones that don't sink as much, like, although it's come around a bit, country music um, in the past five years has started sinking more. It used to be just never, um, you know, but there's, you know, I mean, indie, indie kind of hipster bands are always in demand. Everyone kind of want, they want to find like the up and coming, the next Sharon Van Etten or, uh, you know, Swift Jan Stevens or, sure. um, you know, but, uh, no, I don't, I don't kind of, I, what I try to do is find obscure music. So vintage records, uh, they're, they seem to sync really well. And, um, you know, I have albums like J pop now and K pop and the stuff that's hard to find when you're supervising a project, those are the, that's the kind of material that I'm trying to, uh, find myself for my own pitching efforts because I know uh, I see the leads that come in and then rather than, you know, waiting in line behind a hundred people, I want to be, you know, one of five pitching to that, that spot. Yeah. Do you, do you look at TikTok at all? Cause you know, this last week that Fleetwood Mac track, you know, just blew up yeah. on TikTok and breathed some life into it. Yeah. Yeah. That was pretty, interesting. I mean, that's that guy in a skateboard drinking the, cranberry juice and it's pretty awesome and then what mick fleetwood did a little parody to it yeah it's and then i think i was reading that uh i think the ceo of ocean spray you know went and joined tiktok after that and you know um i guess for you you know music can come from any source and it sounds like it doesn't matter if it is a hip new developing artist although that's great, but, or let me put it in another way. If a great uh, indie artist had a, a song that was out for a year, that really wouldn't matter to you, would it? No, it wouldn't matter. If it was a great song, then no, it wouldn't matter. But that, that said, there's some requests that come up for certain shows where they want material that's unreleased or released that year or one year prior. But if you go back five years, they wouldn't want to pitch it to their you know, producers, because certain shows do want material that's, you know, coming out soon so they can tie in the show to it and, um, you know, co-promote and gain the fans. But that, that's, that's particular. There's plenty of space and licensing worldwide for material released at any point. Yeah. Are, you, are you having a lot of people look for sound-alikes? Yeah. Oh yeah. Almost every, every request we get is, um, you know, here's the budget, here's the, the scene and here are some references that the client likes or we're going for this style, but you know, they'll, they'll, we like this, but nothing as, uh, not as dark as this. We want something with this feel, but not as dark or, you know, we want something that sounds like this artist, uh, but we can't afford that artist. So what do you have that's like that artist, you know, that, that's a daily occurrence with, uh, with pitches. Yeah. And, and tell me a little bit about these websites uh, that you have and 
I, I saw collaboratemusic.com. I saw hdmusicnow.com. Are there more and, and what are those all about? Sure. Well, my main company, um, I started back in 2008 was HD Music Now, and that's just my licensing and supervision company. Um, we have our own library, HD Prime, which is distributed worldwide. And then I'm producing a library for APM Music. Uh, that's all through HD. And then Collaborate Music is my premium label. Um, it's a partnership with Jennifer Lanchard. And Jen and I, uh, we release material under the moniker Soundbreakers. And our material that we're producing for Collaborate is very trailer focused and ad focused. So we've landed uh. some big trailers with the Picard trailer for uh, CBS All Access and um, Big Sky and ABC and Fantasy Island and uh, Handmaid's Tale and things like that. So we're wow. really focused on um, trailer production for Collaborate. And then recently, I mean, the last three weeks, I started um, licenseyourmusic.com. I'm starting a course in how to license your music for film, TV ads, and trailers. And uh, we're writing the course now, and it should be, I hope, out soon. Just cranking it out. Wow. That's, that's really interesting, especially for uh, these developing artists that we're talking about, right? Um, what kinds of things um, can developing artists do? Not, not for you to give up your whole course, but sure. are there some things that developing artists can do to increase their chances of, you know, having you take their music and put it on one of your platforms for music supervisors? Yeah, well, I mean, understanding the business, I think is huge. For, for me, I was a recording artist and I still am more as a hobby than anything. Um, but I started as that and, you know, I was getting rejected, 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 sending my demos around. And I just said, you know what? I need to learn this business from the inside. So I went and educated myself in copyright and publishing and I started my own company eventually and started licensing music. And, you know, part of that is, you know, I, I went and wine and dine music supervisors and hung out with them, brought them coffee, got to know them. Um, so I did the sales thing. And, you know, if, if you understand the business, you'll be able to communicate better with the people you're pitching your music to. Um, what else can they do to uh, increase their chances? I mean, beyond honing their product, yeah. Focus like on your like your platforms in particular. Are they open to the public, or is that? I mean, I know that you want music supervisors using these platforms, but yeah. what about the artists that has to go through you, obviously, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I. I get a lot of emails of people asking me to listen to music and I'm, I'm pretty, I'm spread pretty thin these days with that. So right now I've got, um, 60 minute consults available on licenseyourmusic.com. I set those up so people could set up a time to talk with me, ask me any questions they want. Uh, if they want to just listen to their songs and talk through production or let me hear them, I, I have offered some people contracts that way. Um, it's just a way for me to justify dedicating the time to do that. Um, you know, I do on occasion get an email and I'll listen to it and say, this is great. I want to remix it. And I bring it to Jen and collaborate does a remix of it. But, uh, you know, those are, those are big projects. It takes us anywhere from six weeks to six months to complete a project. So we're very, very selective for collaborate. Um, and 
Oh, but it, it doesn't mean I don't, I don't select stuff. So it's, it's possible. And there's a lot of guys, you know, and, and gals like me that are looking for music. Um, I've just, uh, I've become a bit more reactive in my pitching than proactive. Someone young, just starting out is going to be out there really hustling material. Um, you know, probably on a commission basis, um, just to kind of get their foot in. So there's, there's just different, different arrangements depending on what you're looking for. And, uh, you know, I've, I've been focused mostly on the library thing and building up the back end royalties for, you know, lifetime royalties, than getting that upfront sync. And I do still get those syncs, but it's more for catalogs that I rep and stuff I already represent and sure. stuff that's very, you know, very, can 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 you talk to what a a a contract a license might look like? I mean, what what could an artist expect to have mm. offered? How, how, you know, so so the again the developing artist who hasn't done this before, yeah. if they get something, can they look at it and go, "Wow, that's a scam. They're really taking me to the cleaners or whatever," or that's a real offer? Uh, well, I think anyone who asks more than fifty percent is a scam. I would never give up more than 50%. A 50-50 split is pretty standard on production deals or publishing deals or uh, rep deals. And in some instances, there might be someone still doing it at 20%. I know years ago, people were doing that. I used to have that deal for high, high caliber artists, um, but it's not sustainable you know, 20% when, when you pitch a lot and you finally get a placement, you're only taking 20%. You can't, you can't survive that way. So I would expect a 50, 50 deal to be a pretty standard thing these days. Uh, you know, you do the work of creating the art and then the other half is selling it and exploiting it. So, uh, you know, you have to expect to give up something to get that. Sure. Um, you know, there's, all sorts of deals. There's all sorts of deals out there. So I wouldn't dismiss anything, you know, but uh, if it's over 50%, though, I know some companies do like 60% to the company and 40 to the artist, And I don't really like those deals. Is there a kind of a range? Like if you have, um, let's say film versus TV versus, you know, commercial versus games, is there kind of a, a range uh, that, people pay in those uh, buckets or does it kind of vary all over the place? You mean license fees? Yeah. Yeah, no, there's, there's a range. Um, you know what? Let me uh, real quick, let me pull this up because I have, I just made a chart and I'm happy to, to talk about it. So oh, that'd be great. Yeah. Just, just to give people an idea um, what we're talking about here. And this, these are all sort of uh, negotiated. There's no like, statutory rate with this stuff right i mean it's just there's a range and if somebody really wants you maybe you might make a little bit more and yeah yeah it's uh it depends on the project and you know if it's a film that's going to film festivals only that's different from a film that has distribution meaning it's sure. it bought by netflix or you're know, going theatrical you get a different fee based on that uh based on the rights but films can range like festivals you could get anywhere from 250 bucks for, to 2,500 for festivals. Um, that's on the, on the very high end for bigger artists. Um, but, uh, in general, library rates also differ from 
indie rep deals and major label rates. So uh, films can range, I'd say from a thousand up to 150,000. Um, TV, pretty, pretty big range. A big, big range. Um, you know, TV's similar, more like 750 all the way up to 150,000. Um, ads, they usually have more money. So library rates, you know, 2000 to 30,000, whereas majors might be getting 20 to a million. Yeah. And that, that'd be the same for trailers. Trailers and ads kind of have the same marketing budgets. So uh, it's just, you know, and there's with libraries, you're going to get more, you're going to get more licenses at a lower fee. Whereas an indie rep deal, you'll get probably less licenses, but you'll get a higher fee. Interesting. Yeah, yeah there's, you're, you're right. When you talk about education, there's just so much to learn and so much to know about this going into it. Um, but I would imagine you tell people all the time, it's, it really comes down to, you know, like what you mentioned at the beginning, it's gotta be good quality music, um, well-recorded, well-produced, you know, uh, not just some rough demo uh, recorded, uh, you know, on your iPhone or something. Um, are you finding that quality of music today uh, with the submissions? Are, you know, are you having trouble finding high quality music? Yeah, I am. I mean, it's, when I say high quality, I mean, you know, if you're a, funk pop artists listen to Bruno Mars and try to match that, you know, it's, uh, that's our competition. So, um, it's just gotta be stellar. It's gotta be really well produced. And the best way to do that I, is to a, B it, listen to what they do and listen to their drums, listen to their bass, listen to their mixes, and then try to match that as best as you can. And a lot of times that means getting real players on it. And, um, you know, yeah all your buddies and have them track on it and give them a piece like an income participation on it for helping you out or something, just anything to get the quality there. Um, it is, yeah, yeah. it is hard to find because, you know, and I understand like the, the major labels, they have, you know, six figure budgets, recording budgets for these projects. So yeah, it's hard. It's hard to do, but th there are resources out there. Fiverr is a great resource for finding some really inexpensive players. Um, you know, I think sound better is a good one. Um, yeah. yeah, I think that's through what Spotify, the sound better. Is that owned by Spotify? I, I don't know if it's owned by, but I think there's a partnership there. Okay. Um, and then there's a lot of artists now. Some of my artists are now offering these things called experiences where they will record backup vocals on your song, or they will actually help you write a song, you know, things like that. That's awesome. Um, it kind of took off in this uh, Patreon cameo world. You know, there's all sorts of those kinds of uh, uh, outlets. Um, before we let you go, I'd really like to kind of hear where where would you suggest if if someone wanted to get a hold of you, wanted to maybe schedule a consultation or learn more about how this all works. Um, where where can people reach you? Uh, www.licenseyourmusic.com yeah awesome this is it's such a hot topic <laughs> these days so we we really appreciate you coming on jody and explaining some of this stuff to us yeah it's my pleasure thanks for having me guys appreciate thank it. you jody thank you all right have a great day man you too discmakers.com use code freebiz for ground shipping on cd orders of 100 units or more 150 dollar value
music sync licensing placement even before playlisting was around that seems to me is the biggest unknown area yeah, of this 100%. business forever but they've always sort of been in a glazed over look of like yeah i know i gotta do this i know this is where i could make money more yeah. than i'll make anywhere else yeah but how do I do this? Where do I go? How do I get started? It's, it seemed like it's a very, I'm not saying this in a bad way, but it seems like it's almost a very clicky side of it the is. business that you've got to figure out how to get into the click. It's mysterious. Um, I love having these conversations and we have another one coming up with, with another guest uh, to dig in a little deeper because there's so much to learn about sync and every person that's involved in sync and music supervisors has a kind of a little bit different take on it. And there definitely is money to be made doing it. There, it used to be uncool, right? You know, Neil Young sang yep. about it, right? Yep. But now, you know, I think it kind of really picked up when iTunes started using years back um, songs in their ads. And yep. then that would be like a vehicle to break the artist. And I've seen some of my artists get really great sync um, in film, TV, games, and then others, not any at all. And it's just, it's so maddening sometimes to try to figure this thing out. But you and I are going to get to the bottom of it. We're going to keep interviewing people we'll and, keep, and we'll figure out some ways. We'll keep talking about it because it is, yeah. a, it is a huge revenue stream. It's very important. You've got to be in on it. But yeah, yeah. It's, 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 it, it starts with understanding it's not like the rest of the music industry. I mean, as we kind of briefly touched upon, you know, you don't need to have followers. You don't need to have yeah. a huge email list. You don't need to be selling out venues to get a song place because at yeah. the end of the day, truly song placement is literally the only part of this industry where the music matters and that's it it's a meritocracy it's all based on the quality of that track and if it fits that project you're absolutely right yeah yeah exactly so yeah we'll we'll, we'll keep to be around at this yeah you know you know he, jody gave us some great info i mean his just the simple visual of take your 10 songs and create eight different versions of each song is is great i mean because that's kind of what it is it's like you can't just go into the studio and record one version and send that one version out with vocals right, because right. as you and i know a lot of these placements don't want vocals yeah they don't want them at all every sync that we've submitted for we had to uh submit uh, an instrumental version and the regular version. Um, he mentioned something I hadn't heard before, and that was the acapella version. Yeah. Um, and that seems like a good idea, depending on the kind of music and the kind of vocals that you have. But, but, but yeah, but that you, makes you, a lot you know, of sense. I'm, I'm also sitting here going, okay, so you've got eight versions of a song to submit for music placement, but you also got eight versions of one song that you can release to your fans. Yeah. A month later, yeah. here's the acapella version. Another month later, yeah. here's the instrumental version. Another month. Absolutely. You know, and yep. you know, you could release every one of them for 99 cents and send it up to Spotify and everything else. You know, just why not? That, why not? You Gives got you another bite at the apple. It keeps it keeps that momentum rolling. All of a sudden, that yeah. 10 song album's got 80 tracks that you could go now. 
yeah, that's a lot of work to get those 80 tracks prepared. But if you are thinking about that up front and going into it like I'm going to do this, it's a it's it's much easier to uh, attack. Yeah. That's so, right. um, you know, check out Jody. Good. You know, you've got to get all the information you can anywhere you can when it comes to song placements. That's right. Um, real quick shout out. Thank you to HypeBot and Bands in Town for everything you do to support us. And of course, our sponsors, Bandzoogle and DiscMakers.com. We appreciate it greatly. Um, if you are watching us on YouTube, hit that subscribe button, follow us on Spotify, subscribe and leave a review and a rating on iTunes. It means a lot to us. And, uh, that's it. Music biz weekly. We are out of here till next week.